This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Talk Tuners. Lately, I've been making some positive changes in my life, but it definitely wasn't easy, nor did it happen overnight. With the help of talk therapy, I've been able to grow and unlearn behaviors and beliefs that were causing me to feel stuck. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. And special offer to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash Steph and Steph. That's betterhelp.com slash Steph and Steph. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. I'm Stephanie Myers. What's up, homies? It's Stephanie Benya here. We're really excited, I think, both of us. We have a big show today that touches all about Elvis Presley. And we're really excited to share it because we have quite a few things to talk about. But we're, of course, opening with our traditional music chit-chat for those new to the show. Uh, we're here to talk about the memories and stories, the music that's affected our lives. And we open... I'm talking just a little bit about music in general. Uh, Pena, I know you saw a great show recently. You're a big fan of the Deftones. When you finally got to see them after they had initially canceled the show. Oh, yes, girl. So, hey, Talk Tuners. Yeah, for the new folks, we definitely talk about music and memories, um, what shaped our lives. And Deftones is one of those bands that shaped my life. So I'm a super fan. We talk about fandom a lot. I'm a super fan of the Deftones. I have been listening to them since I was in middle school. Yeah, guys, I just in middle school um, and they're still producing new music now. They're out on tour with Gojira. So if you are a metalhead, I definitely recommend to uh, buy a ticket for this one. Originally, I was supposed to see them in March of 2020. So at the brink of the pandemic. So that is, as Steph said, they had to cancel, but it got canceled twice. So anyway, finally get to see them. So great. Um, you know, I've, you know, I've seen them too many times to count. Um, even when I was in the industry, um, you know, I, I, I never actually got to work a show. I did, I did logistics for, um, security for one of their shows, but I never worked the show. Cause I always have to go see them cause I'm, I'm spoiled and I need to be in the crowd <laughs> and having a good time. But, um, this was definitely a good one. It was at the AT&T centers where the Spurs play and, um, the light show was phenomenal. Um, my buddy's a stagehand. He, you know, he did the rigging for, you know, for this uh, particular show and man, hats off. It was fan fucking tastic both. So Gojira is a young metal band, but they have been around for a while. But when I say young, they past couple of four or five years, they started to hit uh, mainstream. So, um, definitely check them out. They're originally from Sweden and, uh, it's progressive metal. So, um, it's not all cookie monster. <laughs> You know, um, but yeah, it was, it was a, it, very exciting. And for, for Deftones, um, you know, Steph, 
dude, if you're a real Deftones fan, you know that sometimes Chino just isn't on his A game. Like he has allergies or something and he'll just make the, the audience sing the songs and I get pissed, but I get it. That's but so that's funny. <laughs> he has allergies. He's like, ah, take it. He's like, you know, it's like, damn dude. Cause like, he'll just like stop singing in the middle. So whatever, but it was a great show. A lot of good energy. Um, and it was nice because this is my first big metal concert since the pandemic. Like, honestly, I'm trying to think. Yeah. It, yeah. That was my first metal show. So hell yeah, dude. Um, on a large scale. Yeah. I saw Brujeria at the rock box, a small little venue. So I didn't know in San Antonio, if you were there, mind you say hi. I was at the Brujeria show. Uh (laughs) Anyway, so sidetracking, sidetracking, but we're here to talk about Elvis today. So um, Talk Tuner is just going to preface this. This is going to be a lengthy one. Definitely going to be two parts to this because we have a lot to say. Um, Elvis was a, as we all know, is a superstar, megastar. There is a new movie coming out um, on Elvis and, uh, we have a lot of fun facts and we have some interesting conversation, um, to talk about. So let's get started. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, Pena, we have a lot to talk about today. And even as we're researching, going through like, man, there's so many facets, right? There's so many facets. People might be coming to him, um, for the first time, I think maybe with, uh, this, uh, Baz Luhrmann movie, but Mm -hmm. we wanted to, yeah, talk about him just in the context of pop culture in the context of movements too. Yeah. And I would say a major theme of this podcast, Pena, and I know you and I have talked about this, is uh, just the acknowledgement that music itself does not appear out of thin air. Mm -hmm. Art does not come out of nowhere. It comes from people. It comes from these movements. It didn't just, a song just did not drop out of the sky. So we're always going to talk about that. We're always going to connect the dots for folks because otherwise, you know, it uh, makes it sound like a song came on the radio out of thin air. Be like, oh, it's not connected to a person. It's just like one day it showed up. Um, <laughs> exactly. Cured in my life by an algorithm. And so uh, it's not the case. So with that, we're going to talk all about Elvis, where he came from, even where rock music came from, right? And we can't yeah. talk about Elvis without talking about the genesis of rock and roll and the history of rock and roll. Um, mm-hmm. I think. Most people at this point in our history know that it's uh, it's black artists who created rock and roll. But yeah, musically, absolutely. yeah, but musically and stylistically, uh, you talk to any music historian, like this is this is it. Um, so it's important that we say that at the top of the episode, emphatically and clearly, especially in the light of the subsequent erasure of that. Especially at the time, we have you know, there's tons of history you can go kind of look at this too to be like, wow, how did this evolve? There's a um, Rocket 88, for example, that's widely considered the first rock song. It was in 1951, that was way before Elvis broke, where uh, it had all these uh, marks of what we know as modern rock and roll. So that's just one example. So I say all that's kind of mm-hmm. set context for everything that we're going to talk about today because we're diving into history, we're diving into fandom, we're diving into so much. Uh, and I think it's important to set that up at the top of the hour. Yeah, absolutely, Steph. That's definitely, that's a good way of introing this. And I'm going to be completely upfront and honest. I always am. Hey, y'all, I don't like Elvis. I don't. I don't like him as a person. I don't like all of him as a person, but this is, um, I'm not going to go on a long rant, but, you know, I do love the fact that you did mention upfront and make it known because it's fact that rock and roll was founded by black people. And hell yeah, 
Absolutely. And it made me, when you, when you said that, I automatically think of the, the Lizzo song that came out maybe about a year or so ago and with Cardi B rumors where she's saying, yeah, and black people created rock and roll. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> so I guess like new, like new generation, cause we know that we, we hundred percent and, um, but for folks that are just getting into music or whatever and learning about its roots, we absolutely need to continue to educate and be like, hey, man, this is where this shit came from. Like you said, it didn't come out the fucking out the air. You know, there's influences. But Elvis, for me in general, when I think of Elvis, because he's a superstar, right? He is a mega superstar. So I don't see when I think of Elvis, I don't think of Elvis and just his music. I think about him as an image as a whole. And I, I don't like him. Um, you know, as far as he's sure. known as the King of rock, which annoys the shit out of me. Sure. And because he, he was barely highly, highly influenced by Chuck Berry, you know, little Richard, let's talk about Robert Johnson, you know, all of these black artists that paved the way that created blues that created rock and roll. And I'm like, this, he ain't the fucking King of rock and roll. It's Chuck Berry. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's just me. Um, you know, but I get it. I'm not going to say he's not gifted. He's not talented sure, and he sure. didn't kick some major ass because he did. I just don't like him overall. Um, sure. One thing I do want to bring up real quick, y'all, is the Priscilla thing. Because Priscilla met him when she was 14. He was 24. Yeah. That's fucking nasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to, just, right, mention that more in history. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I've gone into uh, when it comes to music, we always say music is life. Right. So Steph and I are super fans. And regardless, we like study these artists. We know them inside and out. Right. We want to be their best friends. That's part of fandom. And so, of course, as Elvis is a major part of rock and roll, period, I needed to know more about him. And the more that I started learning about him, I was like, I don't I don't dig this. I don't dig this at all. But I get it. My mom's a huge Elvis fan. Um, my aunt's a huge Elvis fan. I mean, my friends, Stephanie, you love yeah. Elvis. I get yeah. it. And then also on that point though, I want to call myself out because there are artists that do horrendous shit that I love for number yeah. one, my number one on top of my head, Marilyn Manson, absolutely love his first three albums. Would I hang out with him? Fuck no. Yeah. You know, like, does he have a lot of crazy controversy around him? Yes. No, no, I don't. No, thank you. I don't want anything to do with that. But I love the first three albums. So, I mean, this is, you know, we can keep talking about this, which we are, but I just want to be upfront and center on like my feelings. And then also definitely, you know, just in that same vein, another artist, Morrissey. We talked about Morrissey in, um, in one of our past episodes and he falls in line with love is music, but don't like his politics. I don't like what he says. I don't like his image overall. And this is what happens when you become a superstar, right? Cause you need to fit in this box and yeah. you know, you, you just do cause you yeah. need everybody to love you. And totally. so I'm just, I'm flipping it out, man. Cause I'll call myself out. Cause there are definitely some folks that do some extracurricular activities and things. And I read about, cause I just love music that much. I want to know them. I want to know how they're inspired. I want to know what they eat for breakfast because I want to be that badass. Maybe if I ate a bagel and drank some tea that I could sing like, um, you know, Whitney Houston, I don't know. Cause that's what she did every morning. And I don't know. So I'm saying all that to say that like, God, get it. Don't get pissed. Nobody get mad. We're, we're just being very general here. And that's what makes Stephanie and I a good team. Because yeah. we, we can definitely voice our opinions and we know what's up. So no yeah. no dissing here. I get it why you like Elvis people. I get it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I get it. And I'll just uh, 
I'll just say to your point, Stephanie, too, it's like you're talking about, it's like, hey, musically and stylistically, like, he's not my thing. And then you mentioned uh, in passing, it's like, oh, I know you're a fan Myers. And, uh, and yeah, it's like I grew uh, I grew up with him, but also became like, really fascinated by him. I even remember uh, I was like, I'm going to write a biography book about him when I was 10. Like, and I, oh, wow. like, I was like, oh, I'm really, I'm going to do this. Just became like fascinated by him as a person. And uh, to that point, we're going to have uh, my sister, who's also just a, a fan since kind of birth, come in and talk a little bit more just about fandom uh, here in the episode. But just wanted to set that up too, as we talk about, it's like, what we like, what we don't like, how that is coming together, especially in a context of such a huge figure like this yes. guy, right? How do you even begin to talk about Elvis Presley? Yeah, I know. Like he, like, dude, he is, uh, he's huge. I don't know. Yeah. Like, right, my right. God, this is, it's crazy. It's great. Elvis is just in a league of his own, always has been. So I'm glad that we're talking about this today. It's going to be a good conversation. Um, so now I got that off my chest. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, this isn't the bash the Elvis. This is just us having true conversation, um, just about him, his music and his life. And Absolutely. just, he was such an image for an icon. He's an icon, dude. He's an icon. So he had, whether he wanted to or not, he was going to be playing some prominent role in all of our lives through his gift of music. And yeah. Hell yeah, we're going to talk about Elvis, so let's go. Yeah. It's so interesting when I think about him just in terms of his effects on pop culture, his effects on how his legacy is part of how the pieces that he still lives on in pop culture, right? And part of that includes Mm -hmm. people's commentary about him, right? Whether, quote, good or bad, because, you know, this recorded hundreds and hundreds of songs Mm -hmm. and also had this very public image and was living this very public life. And had a private yeah. life that became public and had struggles with addiction that became public. And, mm-hmm. you know, people that he shouldn't have trusted, who he trusted with his life and how that became public. So I just think about all these things. So some of the stuff we'll share today is just steeped in that. It's steeped in that knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And the industry, all this industry, like this is a beast. This it, it, literally he was chewed up by the industry. I mean, God bless, man. I can totally. imagine one day in his shoes. Hell no. Totally. You know, so what always, you know, I mean, think about Britney Spears now, all this paparazzi, you know, well, Elvis was like one of the first ones that had to deal with all this bullshit. So, yeah, totally. You know, he's got a, he's got an interest, interesting story for sure. You know, one thing I just want to bring out um, just in general, so as I was doing research for this and just um, as a young person growing up, one of the genres I listened to the most um, was rap. Hundred percent. It was rap and metal for me. Um, you know, definitely, and it still is. <laughs> Shocker. But um, you know, I love, I love, uh, I love rap. And one of the first albums that I ever heard from rap artists was from Public Enemy, and uh, you know, Fear of a Black Planet. And when they, you know, perform Fight the Power, and the key lyric here, and it started making me think about just. And this is a touchy subject, y'all. There's racism in America, thinking about misogyny, thinking about just as a woman of color, you know, where do I fit? And, yeah. and especially where do you find your power in music? And Chuck D just flats out. I'm going to recite the, the rhyme. It's not going to sound as cool as him, but, you know, it <laughs> says Elvis was a hero to most, but he never means shit to me. Straight up racist. That sucker was simple and plain motherfuck him and John Wayne. Now I know John Wayne was racist as shit. So this is the controversial thing, right? So as a kid, as a small kid, when I hear this, I'm like, oh no, 
Elvis was racist. And this is one of the biggest rumors that has been around this guy. Um, And, you know, call it out straight up. We have a lot of, um, there's been a lot of artists who have come up to bat for him and been like, no, man, you know, this isn't it. But this is just, it sucks that he's part of this rumor or whatever. But honestly, going to be completely honest, as a young kid, that just made me not want to know about Elvis because I just knew that they were telling me the truth, right? Come on, guys. Then, (laughs) and I also hear this song, in the ghetto. And I lived in the fucking ghetto. And I'm like, bitch, fuck you. What is this dude singing about in the ghetto? So this is so interesting. And Steph, you have <laughs> you have knowledge on in the ghetto that I never knew. So I'm just going to stop now. I feel like I'm on a soapbox. <laughs> well, it's interesting, right? Because it just goes back to like such a big figure that there's commentary all over from everyone. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> in the ghetto. To me, it's like, man, it is a hilarious song, I think, through modern eyes. If you haven't listened to it, I would say go listen to it. <laughs> I feel like it kind of encapsulates the things that we're talking about here, though. Uh, Mac Davis wrote the song. Uh, he wrote A Little Less Conversation and mm-hmm. Memories uh, for Elvis. And In the Ghetto's a weird song. It was uh, released in 1969. It's so weird. <laughs> Mac Davis, uh, he's an artist in and of his own right. He wrote Don't Get Hooked on Me, which I think some people might know from the 70s. Uh, he had a hit with that. And it's interesting because he later disowned that song because he was like, uh, I don't know why they chose this song as a single because it's out. The narrator of the song is very arrogant. So I just mentioned that because I thought about whether maybe he came back to that thinking for something like in the ghetto, which he wrote, because it's such a weird song. And in terms of he's talking about narrator, like this is uh, ostensibly it's like kind of like a, a white guy, I guess, singing about a black family in a really patronizing way. And I can't do justice from uh, in trying to describe it. What was interesting, even as I was researching it too, I found this in American Songwriter magazine. They're like the song was meant to be a commentary on the societal ills of poverty. Maybe well-intentioned. It's a real weird song. That is not how it comes across. Can't do justice by weird. describing it. Yeah, definitely. You have to listen to it. Yeah, go listen to it. You're kind of like, oh God, you did not hit the mark with this. Uh, I'll say as an aside, Cartman from South Park did a great version of it to give it the proper kind of maudlin treatment it deserved. So (laughs) we say all that to say, we're trying to set the story, uh, set the scene for you guys. We're going to get more deeply into Elvis and uh, Elvis and race and where he stood, where he was in the Civil Rights era. We're going to get into that later on as we talk through, but we wanted to set the stage for folks. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. To give a sense as we talk about this, because again, this is a show that connects the dots for people. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We got a lot of connecting dots and Stephanie, you have a lot of, uh, you know, definitely a lot of great memories um, of him as a, as a kid and uh, have a lot of knowledge. So I'm going to step back and let you kind of intro this. Yeah. So I think just setting the scene to here, I think about now his legacy, right? And I've always yeah. thought, yeah, that it's interesting that Elvis's legacy has this fan base that's extended well past his death and generations who were born after he died are in this continuing fandom. And sure. I suspect, yeah, with the release of this, the Boz Lerman movie this month, we're going to see more of those folks discover him, particularly the younger generation. I also kind of have this theory that there's a whole new generation that hasn't really grown up on radio at all mm-hmm, and heard mm-hmm. these songs in the ways that I know that I did growing up. Yes. Um, yeah. Might hear right on the station that plays the classics. 
And instead they find music through entirely different mediums. So I just, I suspect that now is the time uh, young people, especially like very young, might be finding Elvis. So I say that uh, to say, when we release this episode, this Baz Luhrmann movie hasn't been released. It's going to be released very shortly. My understanding is that it leans pretty heavily on Colonel Tom Parker's perspective, which was uh, Elvis's uh, business partner. Uh, centers around his retelling, which is interesting in my opinion, because uh, Colonel Tom made so many questionable choices for Elvis's career. But uh, the movie also appears to, from the previous I've seen, it appears to touch on racial equity and Tom saying something like Elvis, uh, civil rights doesn't concern us. And then Elvis being of the perspective that it concerned everyone. So that's, I guess, some other context that we're trying to give is just we talk about him and where he was and uh, yeah. how that works out. And I will say as an aside, uh, Elvis's daughter, Lisa Marie, has given her stamp of approval to the main actor, Austin Butler, uh, portraying Elvis. So nice. I think it's going to be a good one, but that's how we, that's what we know so far about the movie. And having said all that, we are going to talk to my sister, Kim, who is a longtime Elvis fan. She's here with us today. Kim, I think I remember you being a fan around three or four, which is amazing. So hello and welcome, Kim. I'm glad you could Hi, come guys. on and talk about um, our childhood Elvis memories. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on this special episode that's so near and dear to my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I remember you being um, in Elvis, and you were really little before even I was. Do you remember when you got into that and like what drew you to him as a kid? I think just like as early as I can remember, I remember, you know, having Elvis in our lives. Um, like from just, he was always on and playing in our house in some way, I feel like, especially like Sunday mornings, like we get up, we go, you know, go to church, we'd come home and like Elvis would be playing like as we're fixing lunch, you know, Sunday lunch. Um, or like every time we would visit our extended family, you know, they were also huge Elvis fans, you know, our grandpa Jack you know, God rest his soul and grandma Donna always had him playing with like Patsy Cline and all those, um, you know, good ones. And yeah, just like jamming out to him on my Walkman on car rides too, on the cassette tapes. And um, I don't know, I think that, that he was available to us in so many ways that, um, that I just kind of like hooked on to him and, you know, he was he was super good looking too. So very good looking dude. And yeah. I even recognized that when I was younger, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. He's like, I have a carefully crafted image. Look at it. Right. Right. So you talk about like how he was omnipresent. It's interesting to me too, because I just think about the channels that we grew up with and how they call it a monoculture. It's like everyone was kind of aware of the same things and now things are so splintered off. People don't have like there's little kids listening to the radio. So there's things that they might not ever hear about somebody like right. Elvis. And this right. movie, this upcoming Baz Luhrmann movie, might be the first time they actually have heard of this guy, which is fascinating to me. Which is crazy to me because that's, you know, one of the things I was going to bring up. Like he was just available to us. It's like we were inundated, right? It's like he was available in so many mediums, I feel. Um, you know, movies and, you know, 
albums and different types of albums and Christmas albums and, you know, uh, different performances that were, you know, on TV that we had access to. And, you know, that was a big part of it. But of course, we did eventually seek him out as well. It wasn't just like, here's all this, you know, to everybody. We we truly loved him, you know, growing up, I think he was like our guy. <laughs> and I think about too, it's like, what specific songs and movies, because we watch this movie so much, which of those stuck with you the most and why? And uh, just so top tuners, like, understand, Kim and I would watch, like, there's marathons of his movies that would play on TV around January <laughs> and August. And it was his birthday yes. and the day he passed. And I don't even know if stations do that anymore, but I feel like it was Thank so you. much a part of, like, we were, like, there and we would really plan around that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we even text each other now. If there's a marathon, we'll be yeah. like, oh, it's on, you know, but we'll text each other now. And like, whenever we would do these marathons, it's such a great memory that we have, I think. I mean, I associate it so much with summertime, right? Yeah. Like yeah. the end of our summer, it kind of bookended our summer before we would go back to school. We would get to have that like movie marathon and like the same thing in January. Um, but yeah, like so many favorites and so many memories. Blue Hawaii is probably my favorite movie. Yeah. It's because really it's easy to watch. The plot line, you know, all of his plot lines in his movies go here and there and everywhere. Yeah. And every yeah. once in a while, most of the time, he's like bombarded by all of these women who like all love him at the same time. And he yes. somehow has to make a choice. You oh know? Oh my God, you're right. That's or every he has plot to line. like put one of them in their place, you know? Yeah, it's a little, um, yeah. There's so just like not, it's not appropriate and it doesn't age well. But back then we were like, look at this guy. He's just like doing his thing, singing songs. You know, we love the songs. And then every now and then there's a little bit of acting, you know? Yes. Um, oh my God. That's my favorite true. song. I mean, I wouldn't say my favorite song, but really the one that came to mind when I thought about it was If I Can Dream. I remember listening to If I Can Dream just like over and over and over again, because something really deep resonated with me. You don't hear often, especially, you know, artists from that time singing about things that that song is about. I mean, if if you remember, you know, he's kind of doing his best to speak about some social injustices that, you know, were happening in that time. Right. Um, and I just could tell even as a child that the lyrics in that song, you know, they meant something. And I just remember playing it over and over to hear like what he really, cause you can tell he spent, he put his heart into that song and he felt really strongly about it. Um, that one's probably my favorite. Um, they're all so good, like Hound Dog, Jailhouse Rock, you know, just the list goes on and on. I mean, I totally. love them all. Totally. So. Talk tuners, I'm going to give a little context too here. You can hear, uh, if I can dream, the best version, um, and probably the most prominent one off of his 68 comeback special, which is classic and a great performance if you can find it on YouTube. Kim, thanks for bringing up Blue Hawaii. Uh, people might not know that it was the first appearance of uh, Can't Help Falling in Love with You which uh, I think was his top five of his highest hits while he was alive. Wow. And it uh, made its appearance, first appearance in that movie. 
Um, it features uh, young Angela Lansbury. And so I would encourage folks to go watch that movie, which is actually very, um, it goes down very easy, like it's easy to watch. A lot of his right. movies were tropical of the time, like almost, I mean, like a huge segment. It was like fun in Alcapoco. It was just like Elvis goes over here. Paradise Hawaiian style, girls, girls, girls. It's just like Elvis in the tropics. Yeah, after watching so many, you kind of do get that vibe where it's like they almost said, okay, Elvis, like where do you want to vacation? And we'll just like do a movie while we're there. It's fine. <laughs> you know? Yes. If people are going to watch his movies for the first time, that is an easy entry point to be like, did you want to watch like... <laughs> Alcapoco in the 60s. I guess just go yep. rent. Yeah. Okay, y'all. I'm really stuck on Edith Slid and Angela Lansbury. Lansbury, just like real cool. Like, I just don't even remember her young, yo. Like, yeah, she's right? always been Murder, She Wrote. Like, I, what? She was, okay. See, yeah, y'all, y'all already, yeah, y'all talk tuners know how I already feel about Elvis. So I, I just is, I'm learning stuff here through this conversation. This is, this is yeah. wild. Yeah, and he worked with Uh, everybody in those movies. Yeah, Margaret, you know. Wow, all right. All right, well, I have a question for you, Kim. Yeah. So, you know, know, Steph mentioned earlier that, you know, through this movie and whatnot, um, some people are going to be introduced to Elvis for the first time. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, my question is, like, what what do you want talk tuners uh, to know about Elvis? Because we definitely have listeners of all ages so maybe someone's not going to watch the movie and just listen to this and be like oh my god this is crazy this dude elvis um so just curious what would you want somebody who knew nothing about elvis to know about elvis right um i think just he had an incredible amount of natural talent you know and i would love to see like if he came if he came out you know and and in all of his glory, like during this time period, mm-hmm. well, how successful would he, it's just interesting to think about because we know him as the Elvis back then. And, you know, he brought so much natural talent, but then it's like the media and everything during that time period, just kind of like enveloped him and made him this like huge star. And we know like how yeah. he kind of ended up and how his life, how his life trajectory kind of went. And I just, I think that, you know, I want them to know about his natural talent, but also that I think he was such a hard worker, mm-hmm. he truly was. And, um, and he didn't, I don't think that he expected anything handed to him, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's a lot of that is at the root too mm-hmm. of, of why I, you know, we're right on. So Absolutely. Much. No, that's interesting. So. Uh, that's, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he busts his ass y'all. I mean, <laughs> so he wanted Elvis, that money, you know, yeah, he was like, exactly. I'm going to work and work and work for that money. Cause he came for nothing. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, for sure. Born yeah. in a shack. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. must be interesting to see how the world would, I don't know, uh, yeah. accept him now. You're right. Um, exactly. It, yeah, or how it would shape him differently. Right. I don't know what I was reading while we were doing research for this, but someone um, from the music industry was basically like Elvis was the American dream, but you know the way he ended, it's like yeah, America washes you up, America, right? You know, yeah. Right. <laughs> That's why I'm saying I would be so interesting to see him now because media too. I'm a ph- ph- philanthropist. Yeah. as well 
you know, I think he would have, you know, I think that he would have like gotten involved in a lot of causes that were like near and dear to him. And, you know, yeah, it would have been interesting to see. No, that's a good point. That's an interesting take. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. It's like, yeah. Too, when I talk about, I mean, you guys are talking about, it's like, oh, what was, what were things like in terms of the end for him? You know, and it's like, he'd come back from the military, he did these movies in 68 comeback special. And really after that, things kind of took a nosedive, unfortunately, until it's yeah. 1977. But I always kind of say if somebody is, um, you know, it's, I guess this is an unfortunate metaphor, but it's like, if somebody is taking bad advice from people around them. I'm like, this is how Elvis died because he surrounded himself with yes men. And it's so Mm -hmm. like, I think about that because it's also this time where it's like addiction and, uh, you know, uh, prescriptions, everything like that. We didn't have the same knowledge. So I think about that and it's like, oh man, he's got Colonel Tom. He's got people over here. Like, you're fine, Elvis. You're fine. When clearly things were taking this nosedive. And I always think it's like, man, never surround yourself with people who are just going to tell you what you want to hear. Exactly. Like, which I hope is a good his, life lesson. Do you know right what there. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Which I hope is not his <laughs> legacy, of, yeah. but I always think about that. I'm like, man, you want people who are going to tell you the truth. And you don't know what you don't know. I mean, he was like one of the first, you know, yeah. that did superstars. Yes, men, and had that tragic, you know, one of those types of tragic ends. So, yeah, man. He went down dirty. Yeah. Yeah, dude. For real. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's really fucked up. All right. Well, anyway, Kim, it was great. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Just You're so fun. Awesome. Come back. Um, yeah. Gonna, yeah. Uh, we need a Stephanie, Stephanie, and Kim talk tunes for sure. <laughs> um, I love thank it. you for coming on, good. Kim. So really glad that we got to speak with Kim. So Stephanie, I always just go back to think about how Elvis was stylistically, right? Yeah. And what that might mean for rock music. And then I think about, again, what he appropriated, even if that was with good intentions. And then separately, even like the rumors on whether that appropriation was coming from a racist place, intentionally racist Mm -hmm. place, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we talk about this openly. And the recent Ben Fong Torres documentary, he was the Rolling Stone editor. He Uh interviews Ray Charles, the legend Ray Charles. Mm -hmm. And Ray says... In an interview, Memphis on Beale Street is where Elvis first saw people shaking his hips in Elvis the pelvis fashion, and he decided to replicate, And <laughs> which is so interesting. But Ray talks about it openly, and he says, we couldn't do that on TV, meaning Black artists. Uh, yeah. Elvis got to do it because he's white. So that mm-hmm. was so interesting. And so we talk about Elvis musically, of course, but also how was he dancing? How was his image this thing that propelled him? everywhere in this way no one had ever seen before it was the 50s on ed sullivan tv's the only way you're seeing anyone new there's no internet black performers literally weren't allowed to dance like that or on tv waist up or not they weren't allowed to so it's really important context in elvis's popularity and how and why elvis was able just to become mainstream Mm -hmm. on this level and uh and then i'll just say additionally he uh was open about his influences. He'd covered a number of songs from black artists over the course of his career. Uh, Hound Dog is an old classic. And then it was uh, mostly popularized actually by Big Mama Thornton, who's great. He did Harbor Lights from the Platters. He did dozens of other songs that in his discography. Uh, so I think again, it's important context. I'll pause there. And 
Yeah, no, that's a lot. And this is major for sure. For sure. So yeah, I mean, Elvis, the pelvis, man, that's like the first thing that I thought when I was a kid, I think about his dance moves. Um, And as I gotten older and just learning the basic, the history, the facts of this country, it's like, yeah, absolutely. He was able to become, (laughs) to do that because of his color of his skin, you know, and it's, it's dumb, but um, beyond dumb, there's no, but it's dumb period. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, but there's, what comes with that is just a lot of controversy and just rumors and stuff. So Elvis is, is unfortunately was a victim of the media at that time. Could you imagine if Elvis was around now on social media? Like, holy shit. Anyway, can't imagine this guy had a juicy life, y'all. Yeah. No kidding. Like, I think I started learning more about Elvis and just like his history when, um, Priscilla came out with that TV movie um yeah. Elvis and me and that's where I really started thinking again and seeing Elvis in a new light I wasn't seeing Elvis just for him as the musician and doing the pelvis and having a good time and you know um rock and roll forever I started seeing him <laughs> in, a, in, in a definitely like a bigger picture and I'm like this guy wasn't cool again and that's me um but you know does shit I there's other Definitely. There's plenty of places I go to um, that play Elvis's music and I get it. I totally get it. And yeah. And like you mentioned, he has a lot of influences and um, you found a good article on Jet actually, which I think is very interesting that talks about, um, you know, his, his legacy and um, in, in his place in rock and roll in general. So. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it further connects dots for folks. Uh, talk about did he appropriate from black artists? Yeah, absolutely, and all rock artists, especially that time, did Stones, etc. Um, however, yeah. uh, there was so we've established all that. There was a, however, really unfortunate and offensive quote that floated around for a long time that was attributed to Elvis that said, and I'm going to very much paraphrase, um, said, um, uh, "Black community should just buy my records and shine my shoes," and that was attributed to him. This is pre-internet when things were harder to debunk. Um, but right. it was debunked, and it was debunked by a black magazine, Jet, Jet Magazine. And so they debunked this and said, like, actually, this isn't true. But this particular quote, uh, Jet writer said, you know, tracing that rumored racial slur to its source was like running a gopher to earth. But Presley had eventually just said, I didn't say anything like that. And people who know me know that I wouldn't have said it. And then the reporter concluded that one with, to Elvis, uh, people are people regardless of race, color, or creed. That's how Jet uh, ended up concluding around that. So I thought that was really interesting and pretty important context. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And that and that mirrors off of you know my my uh, sentiments earlier of being like, man, sure. he just stole, right? And you, um, Stephanie, as we've been digging in and just talking about this in general, you know, he was, um, you know, he was pro civil rights. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, um, and, you know, we're talking about that. And then also just in general, there's other artists that have come out um, giving Elvis his props. And anyway, but I don't I don't want to steal that. So, Steph, please, please talk. Tell the talk tuners what you got. Yeah, it was this fascinating thing. Uh, I didn't really realize it until I dug deeper. But we have uh, B.B. King, uh, the legend B.B. King, who said, I don't think Elvis ripped him off, meaning the black community. He said, I think once something has been exposed, anyone can add or take from it if they like. He was just so great, so popular and so hot. And so anything he played become a hit. (laughs) They didn't make a mistake when they called him the king. That's from B.B. King himself. So I thought that was a pretty nice thing to say. 
Yeah. Um, and then uh, Little Richard, who I love, he helped co-create Rock and Roll. shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> co-create Rock and Roll, just like incredible. Uh, Little Richard said, you know, uh, Elvis helped shine a light on Black artists. Uh, and he said when Elvis sang Tutti Fruity, it really made it bigger and made me bigger. Uh, he said he was, Elvis was an integrator. He was a blessing. He wouldn't let Black music through. He opened it. They wouldn't let Black music through. He opened the door for Black music. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I, 100%. That is, that is awesome. For sure. For sure. So, yeah, there's that. I mean, Elvis just has a lot around him, man. Um, can't keep talking about just, man, just thinking if he was around today, how his career would play out. Agreed, Stephanie. I always think about what it would be like if he were around today. What would that have looked like? Who would he be? You know, what did that look like for him in modern day? We have a lot more to say. So we're going to wrap part one here. And then we'll be getting into his songs, including his biggest streaming song ever in the second Elvis episode of this series. Coming your way in two weeks. So we hope you'll stick with us. We'll see you then, Talk Tuners. Peace. Peace.